0: All right, welcome. Uh, Just Chris and I here today um, because of the the spike in in COVID cases, but we are still going to have worship today. We're still going to gather together today and and worship the Lord through the preached word. Um, And so I have prepared a message for us uh, today. We are looking at Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. And we're also going to be in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5 and verse 8. So hopefully you will find your place there at home, uh, comfortable on your couch, back to PJ's and, uh, you know, coffee in hand with your Bible. And so hopefully you're enjoying that this morning. But in all seriousness, we, we definitely need to be praying uh, for the, the spike in COVID cases that we have experienced recently uh, in our own church as well as in our Community, um, a, a number of, of of things that are uh, you know contributing to that, and so I'd certainly encourage you to mask up when you go out and when you're gathering together with with people and practice uh, social distancing and things like that, and and hopefully, the Lord willing, uh, we'll be able to gather together again next week um, for for Sunday worship. But this morning, this is where we find ourselves. Uh, So hopefully you'll follow along with me as we work through the text. Uh, I'm going to read, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive in to the message this morning. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for today and this opportunity that we have uh, through technology to still gather together with one another, Lord, Uh, to still worship You, Lord, uh, to hear Your Word proclaimed and to learn from it, how we might be a church that makes disciples, how we can be aligned with Your will in that way. God, help us this morning as we walk through this text um, to be convicted, to be convinced, to be motivated, God, to make disciples. Uh, Lord, we thank You for all that You do for us. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Christmas is coming up, and most likely you're going to have a few gifts that you have to assemble, especially if you have kids in your house. And sometimes uh, putting those things together is, is really easy. You know what to do, but, but other times things are, are difficult, which is why those products most likely come with, or almost always come with, Instructions. I know, men, we, we think that we don't need instructions. I know that we think that we know how to put everything together. We're just going to dive in there and it's going to be perfect and, and, you know, we're not going to have all those leftover parts and if we have those leftover parts, it doesn't really matter because those things don't matter. They didn't, they didn't fit in the way that we thought they fit. I know that we think we know how to put everything together, but but I know that I have started projects before and... I've gotten to the end and, and I've had some of those pieces left over. And reading back through the instructions, i found that those pieces were crucial components to that product functioning properly or that product being safe for my kids to use. And so it's important that we do follow instructions. Instructions are important. They tell us how things get done they tell us how things work they tell us how things fit together and if we follow instructions we're usually successful if we don't follow the instructions we're we're usually not very successful or we end up wasting a whole bunch of time Time that we could have spent, you know, hanging out with our family. Time that we could have spent watching the big game. Time we could have spent working out or hunting or doing whatever it is that, that you like to do. But instead of, of doing what we want to do, we're stuck putting that thing together again for the second time with the instructions in hand, making sure that those necessary components get put in the right place so the product that we purchased works. You see, instructions are important. They, they are there for a reason. Now, that's not to say that some instructions are not better than other instructions. I know that firsthand. Just recently, um, I, I hung one of my TVs, the one in our living room, up on the wall. And so I went out and I purchased one of those brackets to hang the TV up on the wall. And as I was, I was looking at the box, uh, it said, hey, you can put this up on the wall in, in one hour or less, And I thought, great, that is the bracket for me. I'm going to get that one. And, and I proceeded to put the TV up there on the wall in one hour or less, and it did not happen in one hour or less. You see, the instructions that came were, were bare bones instructions. The person who put them together, they, they assumed way too much. Uh, There are all these pieces and all these options that you had because this is a universal bracket that will pretty much fit every TV out there. But so, So they just give you these very bare bones instructions. So here I am trying to, all these different spacers and all of these different bolts to make sure that I get it connected to the bracket in the right place and in the right way. And the TV that I have, the brackets are at the bottom more instead of right there in the middle. And so that posed a bunch of other difficulties that the instructions did not address. And so here I am, thinking, man, I'm going to get this thing up in in an hour or less, and I'm going to go off to bed, but I'm up till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, figuring this thing out, getting it all up on the wall. My wife is like, what are you doing? I'm trying to go to sleep, and I'm having to have her come in there and hold things and and help me get this TV up on the wall. And, And we go through this process a couple of different times. Following instructions sometimes doesn't really work out, but most of the time, It does. Normally, that's not the case. Normally, instructions are actually helpful. Normally, instructions are those things that we should follow, especially if we want to be successful. And one area in which we should want to be successful is the area of making disciples. We should want to be successful in the area of making disciples because that's what we are to be about as Christians. That's what we are to be about as a church. Our purpose is... To make disciples. That's the purpose that Jesus has given us here in Matthew chapter 28. And if we're going to accomplish that purpose, then we need to follow the instructions that Jesus has given us. You see, Jesus didn't just tell us to go and make disciples. No, Jesus tells us exactly how we should go and make those disciples here in Matthew chapter 28. There are three participles that are in this, this verse, and these three participles tell us how we are To make disciples. And so how are we to do that? How do we make disciples? Well, one of the first things that we have to understand before we get to these participles and these these this instruction and what Jesus gives us is that we have to first understand what a disciple actually is. And so, what is a disciple? Well, the definition of a disciple that that I'm working with, just so that we're all on, on the same page, everything is clear, is this. A disciple is a forgiven sinner who consistently unlearns an old way of life while at the same time learning and living as Christ. You see that? We're consistently unlearning an old way of life. Before we come to Christ, there's a way that we live. And we have to unlearn that way. We're not just in neutral territory. No, we, we are fully given over to the kingdom of darkness. We're fully given over to our sinful nature and following Satan as our master. And, and we have learned a way to live. And so we've got to unlearn that through the process of repentance. And we've got to learn a new way of life which we are capable of doing as believers in Christ. Now what does it mean for us To learn Christ. Well, one author that I've been reading recently, he said this, A learner of Christ is someone who has recognized the dark and lost state that they are living in under God's judgment and who has turned to Christ in repentance and faith as master, savior, and teacher to commit themselves totally to being Him, to learning to keep all of his commandments and to living out that repentance and faith daily for the rest of their lives. In short, a disciple is someone who is striving to be like Jesus. You see, they are committed to, to learning his ways. They are committed to learning his practices. They are committed to operating according to his wisdom. We are to be like our teacher we are to seek to know what he knows we're to seek to live how he lives that that is what it means for us to learn christ and that's a consistent process right we're we're casting off we're unlearning our old way of doing things and we're learning the way that christ lives we're learning the way that christ thinks we are seeking to be guided by christ's wisdom and this is a consistent process we're not striving to be like jesus you see, if we're not consistently unlearning our old way of life and learning a new way of life, if these things are not happening in our life, if you look at our, in your life and you say, I'm still doing things the way that, that I used to do them before I came to faith in Christ. I'm not growing in my knowledge of who Jesus is. I'm not changing the way that I live at all. Then you're not unlearning your old way of life. You're not learning a new way of life. You're not a disciple. A disciple consistently learns Jesus in word and deed. They strive to be like him in every area of life. And so before you can go out and make disciples, you've got to know what a disciple is, and then you have to make sure that you're a disciple. And so you have to ask yourself the question, am I a disciple? And if you're not a Christ learner, someone who is being transformed on a regular basis to be more like Jesus, then then you're not Jesus' disciple. You might say that you are a Christian, you might claim to be Jesus' disciples, but those who are not learning Christ, those who are not consistently seeking to think and to live like Jesus through the process of of repentance and the process of faith, those who don't consistently seek to unlearn an old way of life are not disciples. A disciple is someone who actually follows Christ. Jesus. They consistently seek to learn how he lives and how he thinks, and they seek to live and think like Jesus. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is a forgiven sinner who consistently unlearns an old way of life while at the same time learning and living as Christ. And so now that we understand what a disciple is, now that we know that, we need to know how can we make disciples. And so, How can we make disciples? Well, Jesus provides us those instructions. And these instructions come in verses 19 and 20. So let's let's just read those again. I know these are probably very familiar verses to many of you who have been in the church for a long period of time, but maybe for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time today, you've never never heard these verses before. So let's read them again, and let's try to read them with new eyes. He says in verse 19, Go, therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age. And so we get those three participles there and we're going to look at these one at a time. And so Jesus doesn't just tell us make disciples. He tells us how we are to do that and the first is go we are to go we're not we're not to sit stagnant and say we are we are to go we're to go and seek out those whom we can tell the good news to when jesus tells us to go he doesn't just mean for us to go on a mission trip he doesn't just mean that that we gotta pick up our life here in red oak and and move somewhere else halfway around the world that that's not that's not what he necessarily means. I mean, certainly that's included in, in the idea of going. Those things are, are certainly necessary. Those are things that we certainly should do. But that's not all that Jesus means when he uses this word, go. You see, our English translation, it, it, it seems more like it's, it's this act that we are to do. We're to, we're to go somewhere else. But really, the, the idea behind the, the Greek word here is that it is as you are Going As you are going about your day, you are to seek to make disciples. And so whether we live in Africa and we've gone to live over there, or whether we've gone to live in China, or whether we're just right here in Red Oak and we lived here our entire life, as we are going about our day, we're to seek to make disciples. And that's the idea of living on mission that is found in our vision statement at the church. It's our desire that each of us, would live as missionaries in our own community. We would always be be looking to see who is the Spirit bringing into our life so that we might talk to them about Jesus, so that we might minister the gospel to them. And we're we're always asking, who can I get to know so that I can help them to come to Christ or I can help them to grow in Christ? To be on mission, you don't have to travel around the world you, you just have to, to be here in this community with your eyes open. You have to be here in this community aware of who God is bringing into your path. How is He using you? Who are you best positioned to reach with the gospel? And not only does does living life on mission mean that we are aware of, of who God is, is bringing into our path, but it also means that we are living as cultural missionaries. And so think about the IMB or think about the North American Mission Board, two uh, things that we, we support here as a church. Uh, we certainly support the International Mission Board and Sending Missionaries. We support the North American Mission Board and planning churches here in North America. Now when those folks, w- when they move you know, to China or somewhere like that or when they move to some hard-to-reach place here in the United States, what, what do those people do? How do they reach an unreached people group? Well, they've got to learn the language because many times people are going places where, where they don't know the language. They've got to learn the language. They've got to work to understand the, the customs and, and the rituals and the culture of those whom they are seeking to reach. And when it comes to worship, they, they incorporate the musical styles and, and the instruments of those people. They might even change the way that, that they dress. To, to be more in line with the culture of those people. In short, they would try to build every cultural bridge they could into the world of the unreached people group in order to bring Christ to bear. And that's exactly what we must do. There, there's a whole generation of people out there who do not know Jesus. You know, we, We've talked about this in the past, the, the idea of the nuns, not, not the Catholic type, but the nuns. N-O-N-E. The, the, this group is on the rise. These are not necessarily people who are atheists, who are you know, vehemently against God. They're just people who do not identify with any sort of religion at all. And that, that group is on the rise, especially amongst our Gen Z and, and millennial age folks. More people than ever are listing themselves in that way. And so there are unreached people right here right here in the the Metroplex, right here in in Red Oak, right here in the United States that that we can get to know. And and how do we get to know them? Well, we have to make sure that we understand their culture. We've got to make sure that that we understand their language. We've got to make sure that we understand who they are so that we might reach those people who who are different than us. That means that, that we've got to be willing to do things a bit different. Church can't just be about us, what makes us comfortable. It has to be about those whom we are seeking to reach. We have to be willing to do some things different, to look different, to sound different, so that we might be able to reach an unreached people group. While at the same time, we have to faithfully preach the word of God the good news of Jesus we can't we can't change our message right we can't change the hope that the Bible holds out on offer for this new generation that's coming up more than ever people are looking for answers because because the world is not providing them with the answers that they're looking for it is leaving them empty it is leaving them just searching for more And so more than ever, we've got to make sure that we are preaching the good news of the gospel. We have to make sure that we are faithful to proclaim God's word. And so we can't change the message. We can't change the message at all. But we have to be willing at times to be a bit uncomfortable. We have to be willing to to change the look and, and the feel. We have to be willing to change the way that we do things. And if we're going to reach another generation or anyone for that matter, we've got to live on mission. Our eyes have to be open. We have to be looking to see who is the Lord bringing into our life so that we might reach them with the gospel. We must work to learn the culture of those people whom we are seeking to reach. And we do all that. We we make disciples according to Jesus' instruction here as we are going. And along with going... We also learn that we make disciples by baptizing those who believe the gospel. Baptizing those who believe the gospel. That's what Jesus tells us in the remainder of verse 19 when he says, "...baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son..." And of the Holy Spirit. Now, right up front, you've got to know that that Jesus doesn't tell us to baptize somebody because baptism saves them. Baptism does not save anyone. Baptism is is an outward expression of an inward reality. It is is when we are proclaiming to the world that we believe that Jesus is our Savior, that we believe Jesus is our Master, He is our Lord, and we are going to. To follow him, if we think that baptism is necessary in the salvation process, then we 're going to get ourselves into some theological trouble. Baptism does not save anyone. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward reality it's it 's our witness to the world for christ when when, the, when you stand up in this baptistry and, and you 're dunked underneath the water and you come out of the water you 're saying to all of the people who are here you 're saying to all of the people who are watching online, you're saying to them, Jesus is my exclusive Savior. Jesus is the one who I'm going to allow to direct my life. He is the one that I'm going to seek to live like. He's the one that I'm going to learn from my, the rest of my life. And so it is our witness to the world. And baptism itself is a visual representation of, of what is taking place in salvation right we are we, we go we go down in the water we are buried with jesus in the likeness of his death we come out of the water we we, we are we are coming out as jesus is being resurrected we are being resurrected to walk in a newness of life See, this is the visual representation of what is happening to us spiritually and this new life that we are we are coming to walk in is a new life that is based on learning Jesus, a new life that is based on seeking to live as as He lived. See, baptism is the second step in this disciple-making process. It shows we are committed to learning Christ, and it takes place when our going is effective. And now the third step and the last step is that we are teaching those who believe the gospel to obey all God has commanded in His Word. Look at the beginning of verse 20 with me. There Jesus says that we are to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And that's why it is important that those who are baptized are actually followers of Jesus because that's not the end of the process, right? It's not like you just walk down this aisle and we dunk you in a baptistry and you're good to go for the rest of your life. No, no, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, remember we talked about it it's people who are actually following Jesus. And so now the training process has to take place. You've got to learn how God wants you to live. Remember, we are unlearning an old way of life so that we might learn a new way of life. And that's got to take place as we are consistently confronted with with God's word, as we're consistently seeking to align ourselves with God's Word. You see, making disciples is not just about winning someone to a profession of faith in order to pad our numbers. Making disciples is ultimately about training others to follow and obey God's Word. And this is where we need, where we need a balanced approach. You see, we shouldn't overemphasize winning others to Christ to the neglect of actually training people to to follow Christ, nor should we overemphasize internal training to the neglect of evangelism. We need a balanced approach. We need an approach that is focused outward so that we are presenting the gospel to the community as we're living on mission. We're seeking to to draw other people in to, to Jesus, as well as we need one that is focused inwardly so that we are training those who are actually here to obey all of Jesus's commands to 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 live like Jesus. You see, teaching and training is something that everyone can do. We're not all gonna we're not all gonna teach in, in a formal sense, but but everyone is capable of of discipling another. Everyone is capable of making disciples. And I believe this is where we often get a little bit intimidated. You hear something like that, you know, you think, man, I'm not, I'm not capable. I don't know God's word that well. I don't know God's word as well as the pastor. I don't know God's word as well as a Sunday school teacher. I, I just became a believer. I mean, how can I then go out and make another disciple? How can I train somebody? else well we're all capable we don't all we don't need to be intimidated you see making disciples is not a complicated process as we've seen there's just three steps to that and we're going to talk a little bit more about how we might be able to do that in a practical sense here in just a moment but but it's not a complicated process and it's not a process that just magically happens overnight i think sometimes we think well you know, this person that we interact with has to have this amazing life change right then and there in order for us to consider that we've made a disciple. But that's not necessarily the case. Making disciples is, is a process that takes place over a long period of time. You see, we don't go from, from zero to 60 in, in an instant in making disciples, No, making disciples is more like driving a a Pinto than a Porsche, right? It takes a long time to get up to speed in order for us to get to 60 miles per hour, 100 miles per hour in a Pinto as as opposed to a Porsche. Our goal then, if we think about it like that, our goal should then be to, to help people move one step closer to the cross every ministry encounter that we have. And a step could be a, a huge giant leap or a step could be just a small baby step. But, but the point is, is that we're helping people move one step closer to the cross every ministry encounter we have with them. For non-believers, we want we seek to seek to see how can we influence this person in such a way that they see that Jesus is more valuable than anything that this world ever has to offer to them. They see that, that there is hope for them. They see that there is good news in Jesus. Jesus' death on their behalf. And so we want to help them move one step closer to the cross of believing in Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior for those who are, who are believers. We want to do the same thing. We want to help them move one step closer to the cross so that they are seeking to become more and more like Jesus in the way that they think and in the way that they act. And see, that, that's a process that takes place over a long period of time. Making disciples is also an everyday process. It's not just a, a once-a-week thing. It's not a six-week course that you sign up for, and you, you go through this literature, and you go through this material, and all of a sudden, after the end of six weeks, you, you're a disciple. No, that's not, it's not what it looks like to make disciples. It's an everyday process that lasts a lifetime. And we make disciples every day by the people of God persevering in proclaiming the word of God to others and prayerful dependence on the spirit of God. Now, I know that's a lot. We're going to break it down as we go through this. And so the first thing is that God's word is crucial in the disciple making process. It is the necessary ingredient to making disciples. It's the the one thing that you cannot leave out and have a successful disciple making process process right there may be some things when, when you're at home and, you, and you're baking that you can leave out and and that that thing is still successful it's kind of like a, a nice to have you just add this additional ingredient in and, and man it just really elevates things but but you you can leave that out not in this case you cannot leave out God's word in the disciple making process it is a necessary ingredient that we must have in order to make disciples. And that's why, as we've, we've walked through this current series that we're in, align. while I've consistently pointed us back to God's Word, while, while, while each week it's, it's, it's this consistent, repetitive thing of we've got to be aligned with God's will, which is found where? It's found in God's Word. See, God's Word is a necessary ingredient to making disciples. And the way that we make Christ learners, the way that we make disciples is by proclaiming the word to one another on a regular basis. When we gather together on Sundays, right? We better be about the business of proclaiming the word to one another. When we gather with one another through the week, we, we should proclaim the word to one another. When we call one another, when we text one another, when we're giving one another advice or, or counsel about things that are going on in their life or, or, or your life. We should use God's Word. It should be the basis for, for all of that counsel and all of, the, all of the direction that we're seeking for our own life and we're seeking to give other people in their life. God's Word is a necessary ingredient. It is the Word that brings about transformation. And so we should allow the Word to direct our ministry and it should be the Word that we speak to one another. And we don't just, we don't just speak the Word once and... And we're done. Instead, we must persevere in proclaiming the word. Again, change does not happen overnight. Change is a process, one that takes time, and we have to persevere in our proclamation of the word to one another, because it is the word that changes us as we receive it over time. And not only do we need to persevere in proclaiming the word, but but we must proclaim the word in prayerful dependence on the Spirit of God. You see, prayer changes things and the spirit changes man acts one reveals the spirit's work in man and so flip over to acts chapter one with me see after jesus's resurrection before jesus's ascension into heaven he stayed with the disciples for for 40 days comforting and and teaching them about the kingdom of god and then starting there in verse four of acts chapter one we read this And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then skip down to verse 8, because a little bit later, Jesus tells them the benefit of the Holy Spirit when he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, Jesus' words to his disciples teach us that that it is the Spirit that empowers us. For mission. He's the reason that we are able to go out and make disciples. He's the reason we're able to boldly proclaim the gospel to others, answer their objections, convince them that Jesus is better than anything that this world ever has to offer. He's the reason we're able to write books, we're able to preach, sermons, we're able to teach, Bible studies, he's the reason we're able to learn foreign languages, we're able to, we're able to move and learn the customs and cultures of, of other people. Uh, people groups he's the reason why we're even willing to leave a comfortable life here and move somewhere else where it's dangerous for us to live he is the reason we are able to have and he's the reason we we have done and will do for the kingdom making disciples is not something that we do in our own strength rather it's something we are empowered to do by god himself he calls us to the task And then He empowers us to complete the task of making disciple, making disciples through the work of the Spirit in our life. And if that's true, see, if the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us for making making disciples, then we need to make sure that we are depending on the Spirit. We're depending on the Spirit's power to accomplish our work to accomplish our mission, the mission that Jesus has given us. And the way we do that is by praying for Him to empower us on a daily basis. You see, prayer is powerful. Prayer accomplishes a number of things, including us being empowered for the task of of making disciples. And so we must pray that that the Spirit will make our word speaking effective. We must pray that the Spirit will make our word speaking effective. And the key to successfully making disciples is that we are all persevering in proclaiming the Word of God in prayerful dependence on the Spirit of God. You, you see, we all are to be persevering in proclaiming the Word of God in dependence on the Spirit of God as we seek to move both believers and non-believers one step closer to the cross every ministry encounter that we have with them. It's not just pastors. It's not just Sunday school teachers or, or Bible study leaders. We must all participate in the process of making disciples. We must all use the gifts that the Spirit has given us. And that's why we're all a church. That's why we all gather together as one body. You know, that illustration that Paul uses it is so good because it, you can't just have a head. You can't just have an eye. You can't just have a hand or an arm or, or a leg or a foot to make up a body. Every single person with their individual gifts make up a body. The body of Christ, the church. And so we must all participate in this process and, and we're all capable of doing this. Look at what Peter says to the church that he writes. First Peter 2, 9-10. through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Notice what he says there at the beginning of verse verse 9. We are a royal priesthood. We are all priests of God. This is, this is the doctrine of the priesthood of believers. Right? Every single person is a priest. Every single person can and should mediate God's word to somebody else. They have the ability to do that. See, we don't, we don't have priests in the Baptist life, we don't have priests in evangelical life. We We're all priests. So we don't need a a separate person that we're going to call a priest because we're all capable of mediating God's Word to somebody else. We're all capable of of picking up God's Word and reading it for ourselves and and understanding what what the text says. We need to be responsible in how we do that. But we're all capable of doing that. We're all capable of being priests. We all are priests. is what Peter is telling us here And so our goal as a church then should be for us to have a common life where each member is involved in teaching and learning. The less experienced used, the more experienced as a resource and guide. And the the community is is formed as the members learn, share beliefs and values. And these individuals form the community. This forms a a transformative learning experience community and this is what we're after we're after a transformative learning community where every single person is is speaking the word to one another where every single person is allowing God's word to guide the way that 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 they live where they're using that in their counsel to others in their encouragement to others they're seeking God's wisdom from his word and we're using that as as we're as we're working to help one another unlearn an old way of life so that we might learn a new way of life so that we might live and think so that we might work and and do so that we might be more like christ this is what we're after as a church a transformative learning community A community where we are able to reach out to people in the community who don't know Jesus and call them to believe in Jesus. A community where we are able to encourage and to help one another unlearn that old way of life and repentance and trust in Jesus. That's what we're after as a church. You see, when it comes to making disciples, nobody is... A spectator, we're all participants, which means that, that in order for us to be a transformative learning community, we're helping people unlearn an old way of life and helping people learn Jesus, everybody's got to be involved. Everybody has to use their God given gifts. That's got to be a given. And we're capable of doing that because we are all priests. We we all have the Spirit who is empowering us for ministry who is empowering us to go out and reach other people, who is empowering us to reach people who are already believers, to help them take one step closer to the cross and becoming more like Jesus. As the people of God, we are all to persevere step by step in proclaiming the word of God and prayerful dependence on the Spirit of God. Making disciples is not a complicated process, but it takes everyone. It takes perseverance, it takes prayer, it takes the Spirit, it takes the Word of God. You see, if we want to see growth, if we want to see renewal, if we want to see these pews, these halls, these classrooms full, if we want to plant churches, if we want to send missionaries you know, throughout the United States, throughout the world, then each of us has to do our part. And if we do our part, then we're going to see growth. We're going to experience renewal. We will be aligned with God's will, and Jesus will use us as a light in this community to make disciple-making disciples. And that's how we are to respond to this message today. We're to respond by purposing to persevere in speaking the Word of God in prayerful dependence on the Spirit of God to one another and to those in the community who don't know, who don't yet know Christ. When we do that is we're we're going about our day. And so if you're a believer, if you're listening to this today and you are a a believer, and that's how you can respond. You can purpose to do just that. And if you're not a believer today, you can respond by trusting in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Yes, the world offers hope the world offers meaning and purpose but but i'm sure that you have experienced that the that the hope that the world offers the meaning and purpose that the world offers has let you down time and time and time again well jesus is not going to let you down jesus will continue to be by your side day in and day out. The promises that Jesus makes to us, the hope that Jesus offers us, is a hope that we can trust in. It's a hope that we can take to the bank. It is not something that's going to let us down. And so if you have experienced the letdown of the world, if if you're truly searching for hope today, then come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to the cross. Believe in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the opportunity for you to become a disciple of Jesus. One who unlearns an old way of life and begins to learn a new way of life as they're following Jesus day in and day out because they've been rescued by Him They've been transformed by Him. They've been given hope by Him. So won't you come to Jesus today if you don't already know Him? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank You for this day. We thank You for this opportunity to hear the Word preached, Lord. Though this worship service has looked different than in times past, Lord, we pray that it would have an impact on our church. We pray, Lord, that that we would be a church that makes disciple-making disciples, that we we become a transformative learning community where people are learning Christ. They're unlearning an old way of life and learning a new way of life in Christ. Lord, that we are going, that we are baptizing, that we are training, that we are sending people out to do the same in other parts of this region in which we live the state the national level and the international level Lord help us Lord to be a church that is aligned with your will in making disciples and Lord if there's someone today who doesn't know you Lord we ask that, that this message would help them take one step closer to the cross and even a giant leap if it be your will so that they believe in Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior this morning. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.